What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Brown on the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in a Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down. Let's roll it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I am joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you? Pretty good, Tom. How are you? I am good. So we have a different kind of episode for you guys today. We interviewed a few different people from Celtics Twitter that you might see coming across your timeline. Max Letterman of NBC Sports Boston. We also got Andrew Doxey of Celtics Blog. Fraser Ramon of Photoshop fame. And we also have a kind of a surprise guest at the end. So make sure you guys stick around for that. We're excited to bring you this episode. So first things first, we're going to have Max Letterman. Max, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited to get some basketball back. You were, I think, one of the most instrumental people in terms of moving Weird Celtics Twitter from just like a group of people on Twitter to sort of the mainstream. Can you kind of take us through a little bit like how you sort of came across the Weird Celtics Twitter community, how they ended up on NBC Sports Boston? Yeah, so I mean, it really, all the credit goes to the the weird posters out there. Riff's man, you know, to name one, is, you know, his stuff has been funky from the beginning. And uh, it, a couple of years ago, I don't even remember it was, if it was two years ago or three years ago, someone asked me, because, you know, I'm a Sixers fan. I was born that way. Don't blame me. Uh, <laughs> they asked me, what's the difference between Celtics Twitter and Sixers Twitter? I said, they're the same, but Celtics Twitter is just really weird. It's hard to explain. They're just not serious, which is what I love about Celtics Twitter is that, it, you know, it's a game that we're watching. People don't have to get angry. You can just post a Yabaselli butt meme and feel better about the team losing or something like that. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I started to notice that. I started to take some of those kind of the the nicknames and stuff, and I would just start putting them on the graphics for our post-game show uh, for like when Marcus Smart was talking and just test my boss to say, hey, what about that one? What about that one? For a while, it was no. It's like, ah, that's, <laughs> I don't think anyone would get it. And I'm kind of like, that's the point. Uh, but eventually, uh, my boss, Jim Aberdale, said yes. He said yes to one of Marcus Smart, leads the NBA in combat muscles and grit. And that really is what started the whole ball moving in terms of getting it on TV because Sean Hyken was at Dime, I believe, at the time. And he wrote an article. He was already writing an article about Weird Celtics Twitter. And he reached out to me because of that lower third graphic. And I was quoted in it and I showed it to Scal. And he's the one that, like, and I hate to give him credit. I really do. But he <laughs> literally was the one who was like, we should do a segment on Celtics Post-Up and I'll interview you about this. And that was where um, just the idea of putting me on to talk about where Celtics Twitter even came from. After that, I was like, why don't we do a post-game segment? I'm going to shoot my shot, right? Surprisingly, they said yes. So I just started trying to find good memes during the game and, and put them on our post-game show and trying to make Kyle and Scal laugh, which is not as easy as you think. 
they laugh at the dumbest stuff and they never laugh at the really funny stuff. But uh, I guess that's on me to try to figure out what works. But, you know, it's good. And, and you know, Scal, I, as much as he, he grinds on me uh, publicly, he does really support the, the movement. And that's, that's good. I'm trying to think of other examples. Al Horford, Two Gorgeous Eyes comes to mind. What are some other examples that you've put in the graphic? So there's the Two Gorgeous Eyes one. Uh, when Gordon Hayward had a black eye, we were just starting to average his stats since he got the black eye. Like, oh, he's averaging 25 points per game with that you know, sweet black eye. Um, then, you know, Marcus has a thousand that we've done. You know, I've misspelled his name on purpose to Smarf instead of Smart. Uh, although I did get a little bit of pushback for that because, like, I, I mean, that just looks like a typo. I mean, if you're <laughs> doing something silly and, like, the just subtitle there, people will understand that it's silly. But if it just looks like a typo. But Tatum, we did the he's only 19 a bunch of times. Marcus, we did a stats don't matter. Kyrie, after uh, they won, uh, I think it was the first playoff game we did, you know, won a playoff game without LeBron. Um, <laughs> things like that. Are there any that come to mind that went viral or that people screenshotted and were like, what's going on with the NBC Sports graphic guy tonight? Yeah, it was the uh, the Marcus ones have been the ones that have gotten screen grabbed the most. And we did have uh, some fun with Ben Simmons too. Jack Michael, the legendary tweet, you know, shoot a three coward. So crazy how that like influenced like a national narrative, just one tweet and became like a trope. So we had a, we were presenting at our regional sports network, uh, NBA meetings a couple summers ago, and we were showing a bunch of the examples and we got the Philly guys there too, because they're, they have a NBC sports down there. You know, I had to tell them like, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> objectively funny to make fun of him not shooting threes though. Uh, so that was a good time. You know, the Jason Tatum is Joel Embiid's father is a good one too, where we just Photoshop Jojo's head onto uh, Deuce make it look like he's uh, his dad and stuff like that. And oh, we had a great time with the Terry Rozier, uh, Eric Bledsoe stuff. That was a great when we first started doing the post-game hits too. And it was perfect timing. The, the stars kind of aligned. Like the web department will come to us sometimes and say, hey, can you just give us a heads up if you're going to do one of these, these banners so that we can screen grab it? And I just like, man, I don't know. I just don't. Like we mm. don't plan it. It just, it has to be the right feeling in the game and, I just don't want to take anything seriously. I, it's a, like a mental defect I have. It really, I can't be too serious, especially when we're talking about sports. I mean, there's like real serious things in the world as we're all seeing now. So I should be able to like make fun of Gershon Yabaselli's huge butt in a post-game show that's about sports, you know, as long as I'm doing it tastefully. Being a Sixers fan, clearly you're much more associated with Celtics Twitter and with obviously NBC Sports Boston. I mean, how has that dynamic played out? Yeah, uh, it was fine when the Sixers were bad because they right. were never good at the same time. Uh, and then just all of a sudden they got good right at the right time and start meeting in the playoffs. And it's a good rivalry, especially now that the two are the two teams are really kind of butting heads and on the uh, the same upward swing for the franchises at the same time. Although the Celtics were never really on a down one. It does get a little bit uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, like I said, it's a win win for me. Makes sense. I am a huge Ben Simmons defender. I'm curious how you feel about the way that like the draft, that draft, and then the obviously the following one went. Well, I, I mean, I think Simmons was the pick for sure. Uh, there was a time leading up to the draft where I was entertaining Brandon Ingram. And uh, I work with someone who's also a Sixers fan. He looked at me, he's like, shut up. It's <laughs> Stop being stupid. And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> like I was trying to like talk myself out of Ben Simmons. I mean, he's a special talent. And Ingram... Ingram's really good, but I'm still not sure how him and Zion are going to play because 
even back in preseason before Zion got hurt, it felt like Ingram was just chucking and not like, just give that superhuman the ball and let him score. We'll see. I, Ingram's got talent. He's so skinny though. I just, I don't know. I, I just feel like I can't think of a single, like Kevin Durant's much thicker than he is. Yeah. Um, or at least got thicker. And so I worry about someone like Ingram and that was 2016, right? So Jalen was that draft. And there was an argument on Twitter about Jalen versus Jamal Murray uh, recently. And before the draft, I, I wanted the Celtics to take Murray instead of Jalen. But I was wrong. I was objectively <laughs> wrong. Jalen is a better player. He's not a creator like Murray, but he's so much better on the other end and at just being a, especially in the role that he's on the team, like the Celtics aren't asking him to be a creator. So uh, and I don't think Murray's as good of a creator as people give him credit for. Um, so I think that draft was, uh, it kind of went the way it should have. We've been asking a lot of our guests to share their hottest take about the Celtics, like this year's team. What would yours be? Hmm, hottest take. Let's see. My hottest take might be that, you know, they don't need to upgrade their center position. I know a lot of people, uh, you know, what are they, you know, how are they going to match up with, you know, Joel Embiid? They don't have anyone to cover him. It's like, well, who does, you know, it's not like there's really anyone. There's some players that have played well. I mean, Daniel Tice has done pretty well against Joel Embiid. So is uh, Ennis Cantor. I think a lot of that was overblown. I think in the playoffs, it's, it's not going to matter as much as people think. Ah, oh, that's not even that hot of a take. Um, all right, here's one. My prediction, and this is for years down the road, so hopefully you guys will forget if this is wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, Romeo Langford is the Kemba Walker replacement. Ooh, I like that one. What makes you say that? You know, just the timeline kind of works out there. You know, Danny, never, you know, count Danny out. We'll see what happens with the Memphis pick, but that may be one of the last, you know, lottery picks he's got in, you know, the next couple of years. And nobody has a good track record picking in the twenties. And when you're a team like the Celtics, it's going to be completely maxed out with salary cap. You're going to need to hit on rookies as to at least be contributors and rotation players uh, while they're on their rookie contracts. And I think that just when Kemba's contract is going to be coming up, hopefully they'll have someone like Romeo who can step in and uh, whether he's playing the one or not, I don't know. He seems more like a two, but I think I had read that they were hoping that he could be more of a ball handler, but I may have just made that up. We didn't really get a good chance to see what he's, what he's going to be this year because of injuries. He just seems like anytime he was starting to get some playing time, he'd just have something come up. Same with Robert Williams. Like if, if Robert Williams can ever stay healthy, he's, I think he's Clint Capella. I don't think that's even a hot take. I think that a lot of people would agree, but it's a big if, if he can stay healthy. For sure. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Max, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. It's at Max underscore Letterman on Twitter. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Welcome back. We are very happy to be joined by Andrew Doxy of Celtics blog. Doxy, how you doing, man? I am the wife haver now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I'm engaged, but besides that, I'm doing great. Really happy to be here with, with Tom and Nicole. So, Doxy, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You're from Florida. Can you take us through just kind of like how you became a Celtics fan, how that all kind of came together, and yeah, just kind of your, I guess, your Celtics origin story. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't write about these in the history books, but um, <laughs> uh, so basically my mom's half of the family, I mean, my, both my parents are Haitian, but my mom's half of the family moved to Massachusetts. Uh, so fast forward to, I think it was, 2000, yeah, it was 2010, and the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals playing the, the Magic, and I, I wasn't really big on watching basketball until then. 
But then uh, I, I tuned into the game for some reason that day. It was game three. And so I automatically started pulling for the Celtics, even, you know, just because of my mom's side. I was cool with my uncles. My uncles are cool. So I was like, yeah, go Celtics. But then I saw uh, I saw Rondo dive for the ball between Jason Williams' legs. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah iconic moment. And I was like, all right, go Celtics. And I was like, I'm a little more into it. <laughs> but, you know, I was just kind of paying attention to them more. And then the next season, you know, I was just like, oh, cool, the Celtics are doing well, you know, and everything. But it was that game against the Knicks uh, in December when we were on like a 10-game win streak going into that game. And uh, Paul Pierce hit the step-back jumper uh, over Stoudemire. From there, like, that's what really kind of, like, grabbed me. So then I went, like, on my DVR, recorded all the upcoming Celtics games. And then from there, it's just kind of grown and grown. And that's where I'm at now. So once you became a Celtics fan, do you remember how you were introduced to Weird Celtics Twitter and things like that? You know, the Isaiah pick from 2015, that was like when things got weird. But I had already been following a lot of these people beforehand. Like we kind of had like our own community, but not like officially named or anything like spectacularly different from other fan bases. To me, Weird Celtics Twitter like really blossomed, I guess, in the in the hospital season, hospital Celtics, 2017-18. Uh, <laughs> Because right from the get-go, Gordon breaks his ankle, and we're just like, man, this season is lost, so we might as well have fun with it. And then, like, we were winning. <laughs> like, we won uh, 17 out of our first 19 games, and it was just like, wow, this is great. So we were just having a really cool time. What are some of your favorite Weird Celtics Twitter memes or bits? <laughs> well, Hospital Celtics as, like, an overarching concept was was very funny to me, just because of how it like progressed like okay okay one guy's injured at the beginning that's fine oh another one oh tice is out like it just kept going and going but we kept winning what i think is funny is right around that time is when twitter upped its character count to 280 which was perfect because otherwise the injury report wouldn't fit in one tweet <laughs> right i i think last year at one point it did get to like two tweets even with 280 <laughs> it did okay. yep and another moment that I think is still the funniest thing ever was when we drafted Robert Williams because, because you know, the Rips man really, he had been manifesting that hardcore. And then we just, you know, once he kept slipping, like all of us joined in, we were all tweeting like, yo, is this really happening? And then we actually drafted him. It was just, just sensational. I would also say that the night Smart got the back-to-back -back charges against uh, James Harden. <laughs> Again, the Rips man, where he was like, we're, he'll, he'll threaten Tony brother to becoming Tony's sister with this. <laughs> I forgot about I don't know that. if you're going to have to edit that out, but that was just like, sometimes I'll just be sitting and then that tweet will just come in my mind and I'll just burst out laughing. I forgot about that one. That was, that was a classic. So let's talk a little Celtics. What are, what are your kind of overall overarching thoughts about, about where the Celtics are at and what you're kind of expecting to see? I feel like uh, the Celtics are probably best suited among, you know, among the contenders to to have like a long run in the sense that they're basically already an AAU team. Um, you know, like, like 10 of our top rotation players are actually all of our top 10 are under 30, except for maybe Tyson Hayward. I'm not sure. Um, uh, Wanamaker is 30, actually. Let me say top eight then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, sorry, Brad, if you're watching this, I didn't mean it. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of our guys are just are closer to that that kind of environment. You know, if you want to look at home court in any way, I think that they're, you know, they're up there, at least among the contending teams. There are some other teams that are on the younger side. But if you're talking like top five teams, I think the Celtics have that advantage. So I'm excited to see how they let home court, you know, the lack of home court, the lack of a crowd affect their game. Because I feel like the Celtics, you know, the big three Celtics when I was watching them, you could tell that home court like meant something to how the players approach the game. You know, since the Jalen and, and Jason's era started, I felt like every game could be a toss up just in the sense that like, oh, if they're on the road, but they're feeling good, then and it's a win. 
you know, if they're at home, like Paul Pierce's jersey retirement, we got like killed by the Cavs by 30, even though we were, you know, the better team. And it didn't really matter that we were at home. Like, I, I don't I don't feel that same sense of like home has a real advantage for these guys. I wonder if there are any players on the Celtics that will be effective. Like Marcus Smart is so intrinsically motivated. I'm sure he'll still be diving for balls and doing all of his like Marcus Smart things. But one thing that like I've been thinking about, like, for example, with the Sixers, like Ben Simmons might not feel that like psychological pressure from the crowd and he could start like pulling up from outside of 10 feet. If he misses, he won't get booed. If he shoots an air ball, nobody's going to like yell at him. Exactly. Like, I feel like he, who knows? Like, I think there's a lot going on with why he like mentally can't bring himself to take shots. So this might not be the place, but I think like if there's any time for him to just start being more comfortable or aggressive with that shot like do it now you won't have the crowd bothering you at all so I'm wondering whether there's any player on the Celtics that could potentially benefit from the lack of fans or if the lack of fans would serve as a detriment I think Shemi with his shooting I think when he misses I mean I don't know him personally so I wouldn't you know this is just how it looks but it looks like it kind of affects him like when he misses a long shot as his first shot there's no empirical evidence on what I'm saying right now, but that's just. The I agree with you, though. I think I, I. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's good. Yeah. One thing. One thing. Just to circle back on Simmons, that I think is kind of interesting. I think that the other thing he hates, like you know, getting booed. Obviously, nobody likes getting booed. I also think he hates it when the fans go crazy when he shoots a three because it draws so much attention to the fact that he just shot a three. And I feel like a lot of the time he just wants everybody. Can everybody just be cool and let me shoot a three? So yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe he just starts hoisting. Jack's not in Orlando, so. Yeah. Cyber <laughs> bullied. If he stays off the internet. (laughs) The home court thing is interesting too, because you mentioned that like, obviously the Celtics are are like a young team, but I did feel like that 2017, 18 team during that stretch in the playoffs, they were like almost undefeated at home and they, did they even win? I don't think they won a single game on the road. Yeah. Just one. um, Just the one. Yeah. The game four against Philly. Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the confetti game. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, I, that team seem, certainly seemed like it was affected by the crowd, but um, I wonder how they would have been affected by no crowd because they, they seemed like they got a boost from the Celtics crowd, but I wonder if they would have done better, worse, the same um, in kind of a neutral site. That is going to be kind of unprecedented, which will be kind of fun to watch. I think a lot of that, too, was uh, Terry Rozier, though, because his splits were really dramatically different between home and away. <laughs> like, I don't remember a lot of, like, the stats from that season, but I do remember that Terry Rozier's stats were, like, drastically different between home and away and I feel like that was the the indicator of how the team was going to play definitely how much fun has it been for you as a uh, as a Celtics fan to watch Jason Tatum emerge I was always higher on him some might call me the anti Sam Sheehan (laughs) I I wanted I wanted him to be our pick that year but yeah it's been really great seeing him my biggest problem with him his rookie year was that he was too passive like he didn't want to shoot in the second unit he was letting Terry and Smart take shots from him that also kind of followed into his second year too but this year if he has the ball you can expect a good shot for the most part so it's been cool just like watching the mental shift from him to attack mode more often and he's being rewarded for it because he's always had the skill, but now he he has the the mentality that he's the best player on the floor and he can take over whenever he wants. Before we let you go here, let's can we get a, like some predictions here? Uh, what do you? Uh, how far do you think the Celtics go? Who do you think shows out? What, what do you What are you looking at here? I don't know if it makes me a homework to say this, but I feel really good about this year. You know the the Bucks the the game where we came back big time without Jalen and won. The game where we also played without Jalen came back and lost by like four points. To be honest, I felt good of playing them last year. And I feel like if Kyrie didn't implode and if everyone didn't forget how to play basketball and if Terry Rozier wasn't on the team, I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> but I feel like if all those things happened, like we, we were 
I felt good about playing them and I still feel good like in hindsight it's just that everybody forgot how to play basketball at the same time like I did not expect the hospital Celtics to go to the Eastern Conference Finals so it's not like blind homerism but just on paper seeing the way Tatum was playing uh knowing that in any given series even if we don't have the best player on the floor we'll have two through four like the the second through the fourth best players in the series which I think could be more valuable than having like the most dominant player I like us going to the finals at least, and I would like to see the Clippers there. If Even if we don't win, that's just going to be insanely cool to watch. What is your, like, hottest take about these Celtics? See, anything that I say about Smart probably wouldn't be considered a hot take because of my reputation and also, like, the, the group mentality of how we think of Smart. I would say I'd rather have Carson Edwards in the, in the rotation than Brad Wanamaker. Not because Brad is bad by any means. Um, he's actually really serviceable for what we need from him on a given night. Just because I like, I like what Carson can give when he's hot. Because a lot of times in the second unit, if, Tat- if Tatum's not out there, nobody wants to shoot. I like the thought of having somebody out there who you can throw the ball to and you know that at least we're going to get a shot up instead of overpassing and stuff like that. I don't know if that's valuable or not, but I would like to see it. Also, I guess my latest hot take is that Romeo Langford's going to end up being in our top eight in, in the Orlando restart, because I saw some pictures of him yesterday. My man is jacked. He looks way bigger than he did um, before they got to Orlando. Like, he is thick. I'm hoping that, and his, his shot looks a little better too. So I'm hoping that because the backup three and four position, like two and three right now is a little shaky, um, it, depending on how the rotation comes out and how Brad's doing it. But I, I like the thought of having Romeo out there more than, than like Javante Green or, you know, Shemi if he's cold. So I'm hoping that Romeo, you know, really shows out this, uh, this summer. Wow. We're playing hoops this summer. It's a wild scene. All right, everybody. Well, at Andrew Doxy, that's D-O-X-Y. And yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and futures and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on his cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, guys, you have seen his photoshops all over Twitter. They are uh, very funky, very psychedelic. And we are very pleased to welcome to the show Frazier Ramon um, of Weird Celtics Twitter. Uh, Frazier, first things first, can you just kind of take us through a little bit how you became a Celtics fan? Yeah, so I feel like I'm a little on the older side for, like, like I'm 34. So I feel like some of the Weird Celtics Twitter people are younger than me. Uh, so I got to see some, like, earlier Celtic stuff. Like, I got to see some games in the Garden. You know, I remember the really bad mid-'90s and early-'90s Celtics teams with, like, Rick Fox being our big fun guy to come back. <laughs> the Purvis Ellison years and, like, that kind of stuff. Celtics-wise, like, I've always followed the team. And, like, I think that's one of the biggest reason why like, I loved Weird Celtics Twitter when I first got on. It was just, you know, we've been through some lean years where the team was not good. You know, I'd still watch them. I'm not going to not watch them or be mad about the team. I'm so used to that. I was so used to them being bad that, like, the KG years were, like, a dream. That was the thing I that drew me to it at first because I, I haven't been on Twitter that long. I think I got on in, like, 2017, like, one of the, the IT years. I think I, that was the biggest thing I, th- I thought I, like, really enjoyed about it at first was just like 
they would lose, but we'd all kind of just joke around about it and have fun with it. It wasn't like the end of the world. Nobody was like, you know, trying to get Brad fired or like nobody, <laughs> nobody was trying to get into that kind of stuff. And then like, obviously like following Riffs Man, like Riffs Man is like the heart and soul. He's he's come up with all of basically the lore, I guess, of Weird Celtics Twitter, you know, like the Time Lord and Sparth. It was a perfect combination of him being really into Celtics and really into like music. Like I think that was one of the biggest things that like drew me to it. Like he was describing Smart as like playing like Iggy Pop and the Stooges in the seventies. Like that, like that made sense to me right away. And I feel like now, like I, I originally, like I was just making really bad Photoshop pictures. Like that was my like original gimmick. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just like, you know, square cutouts of like Al Horford's head and Smart's head and put them on. Like I remember I made one of the like Lithuania national team when they had the Grateful Dead jerseys. Like I did that whole thing with the, <laughs> with the, the roster one year, but it was, looks brutal. Like I, I look back on it now and I was like, oh my God, what was I thinking? So I think that's was a funny thing. Like, we we kind of joke around about that. I was like, half of Weird Sellers Twitter is like basically taught himself how to use Photoshop just to like post better. Like I didn't, I didn't know, <laughs> I had no idea how to do any of this before it. And I think I just started um, looking more into it and trying to find different apps and like stuff like that, just so I could make like funnier, better pictures just to like post. Yeah. Like, so what are some of your favorite Photoshops of the ones that you've created? Uh, I think my favorite one it's like Jesus is ascending to heaven with like a bunch of saints at the bottom, but it's Smarf like dunking the ball. That like <laughs> that that one he like did like a Twitter online like contest thing where he was like, oh like send me all your best pictures, and I had I probably have like three hundred Smarf pictures <laughs> on my phone. Like <laughs> like as soon as he posted, it, I was like, all right, this is like what I, I was prepared for. This like I'm this is exactly what I've been prepared for. And he ended up picking that picture and then I sent two out to him. So he signed one and sent one back to me. And then he has one like at his house, which is like, think about like where I started, like just doing it for fun to like him, like DMing me and telling me to like send him. One of the pictures was like just a crazy moment of being online. So I think that's one of my favorites. Like my earliest ones were all a lot of just like album covers that I would just replace the heads on. There was like a Grand Funk Railroad. I had like a really bad one like I'm all flexing and it's like <laughs> Al, like Tatum and Smarf and like stuff like that. I started finding old art stuff. I feel like once I kind of figured that out and figured out how to do the Photoshop stuff, that opened up a lot more. It's usually like I find a picture either of a Celtics player doing something funny. Like obviously the Smarf one where he's on the like exercise bicycle is yeah, very yeah, yeah. Like huge in the weird Celtics Twitter lore. Anyone that has that one in, I like always love. One of the ones I think I, I enjoyed a lot. There was a Tatum one I did that has like Danny DeVito's face in it. That's like <laughs> floating in space. Like that one I always thought was really funny. And that's another interesting thing about it is that a lot of it is like positivity. You know, even when Terry was very bad last year, there was still yeah. just a lot of like, like a lot of love for like the Osama tweet and everything else. Yeah. Like, and so it does, it does feel a lot more positive than the usual. Um, let me, right. uh, like, let me call into 98.5. And I think, I think, again, another thing Riffs is, like, responsible for is, like... Wait, cool. sorry. I think we just need to interject for people who might not be familiar with the Osama tweet, Tom. I think you just need to provide context there yeah. before we move on. <laughs> if nobody's familiar, I, I don't have it in front of me, but Terry Rozier at one point in, like, 2014 or something like yeah. that, sometime I long ago that doesn't exist anymore, he tweeted, um, Osama should have hooped instead of trying to... Because Osama was 6'6". So he's like, Osama bin Laden should have hooped instead of trying to kill people because he was tall as hell, which is one of the most iconic. It's the funniest tweet. It's, it yeah. Honestly, it tops anything Riffs Man has ever done. I was going to say, I've, I've probably done like 100 joke tweets just based on that tweet, like that tweet alone. <laughs> and I think that's like another thing that is like a weird Celtic Twitter sort of uh, tenant is that 
coolness is like very important. And Terry was always very cool. He wasn't always good. He would do a lot of things that were frustrating, but he was so cool that it didn't really matter, you know? For sure. For sure. Like he, he's the biggest example of that, I think, of like anybody I can think of. And I think it's kind of nice now this year because we can root for him in a way that doesn't necessarily affect, <laughs> affect the Celtics because he's in Charlotte. So it's kind of, it's like the best of both worlds right now. So to close it out, you can either choose to share a hot take about the Celtics. Hottest. Hottest take, okay. You have the hottest take you have about this team. Okay. Or just share your prediction in terms of how far you think they're going to go. So... Unless the two are the same. I was going to say, let me say, let me think if I have any hot takes about the Celtics. My hottest take about the Celtics right now would probably be that Hayward's going to be, I don't know if this is that hot of a take because I feel like people have said this, but Hayward's probably going to be, especially because he's gaming alone in Orlando, <laughs> he's going to be locked in. Like I, I could see him being an X factor right now because he, all he's going to do is play basketball go home, video game until he can pass out, wake up and do it all over again. And that's when he's the best. He's always great on the road because he's on his own and he has time to himself to game. This is not necessarily Robin slander, but <laughs> I think it helps him sometimes to get a little space from the family here and there. So Gordon Hayward, MVP. That is Fraser Ramon's hottest take <laughs> of, <laughs> the, uh, of the NBA bubble. Um, you guys can all find him at Steve Merkel 9. Um, that's M-E-R-K-L-E. Fraser, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, we have one last guest for you. Um, his name is at Sam Sheehan NBA. Um, you guys can follow him there. He is absolutely a real NBA reporter, not at all a fake one. And he is definitely in the Orlando bubble and not at all hiding from the authorities. Sam, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you guys so much for bringing me onto this program. You know, just so in case anyone in a front office or anything, and so I am, I am available. I can be hired. I'm NBA insider with upwards of three months of experience covering the NBA, and I uh, have over two phone numbers in my phone book. So feel free to get in touch with me and hire me. I will go to Orlando. I don't even care about COVID. I, I will be in any of the bubbles. I don't need to be tested. I will get to the bottom of the scoop. Sorry, guys, I derailed the show, but you know, got to plug yourself. No one else will do it for you. Am I right? You know, you're, you're absolutely right, Sam. And again, we thank you for coming on with all your expertise. Can you take us through a little bit what, uh, what, what you've seen in the bubble so far? What's, what's kind of stood out to you? A lot of security. A lot of security in the bubble. And I'm quickly running out of hiding spaces. I haven't been hiding in the kitchen. I'm not currently coming to you from the walk-in freezer. And I haven't been sleeping on the, uh, it's the small world after all ride. So I've got a, a normal room. It's regular. Sam, for those who might not be familiar with your work, can you sort of walk us mm -hmm. through your background and maybe mention some of your favorite stories that you've written? I mean, what, what I like to focus on is the business aspect of the NBA. I mean, that's, I think, what people are really showing up for. Um, you see a lot of people try to write about it, like NBA personalities or, you know, sort of human interest pieces or like, ugh, like even like NBA games, like that happens like 82 times a year. Now, what I'm concerned with is the business end of things. I want to know how these guys are getting in there and making deals. I want to know how people are making money and positioning themselves to make more money in the future. It's probably the most interesting thing. Um, I went to the Augusto Pinochet School of Journalism and one of the things they taught us there was be ready at all times to pursue the money. You know what I'm saying? Find out 
why someone has a lot of money and why that reason is always hard work and nothing else. I think people are very unfair to the owners. There wouldn't be an NBA without the owners. Sometimes, in some cases, that's who people show up for. Like, how many people watch Shark Tank every week? I, I know when I went to a Mavs game, my eyes were glued on Mark Cuban until, um, you know, security asked me to leave. That's kind of what I try to, you know, specialize in. And it hasn't really, you know, it hasn't really taken off. It's cost me quite a bit personally, financially, and mentally. But I really do think that it might be right around the corner. Have you had any luck with breaking news? This is kind of frustrating because, and this is something that happens a lot. I know you guys had mentioned there's like a pundit weirdo. I, I don't know. I don't get along with him very much. I'll try to respect you guys seem to have a relationship with him. But there's um, this guy, Sam Sheehan, and it's very upsetting and confusing because he sort of stole one of my late breaking news stories, which was that Marcus uh, Morris, w- when he was traded from the New York Knicks to the Los Angeles Clippers, and he seemed to think that's like very funny that I was reporting on that a couple hours after it happened. It's not funny. Um, you know, it's very important when, you know, someone gets traded or there's breaking news and you've got a chance to be the seventh or eighth person on the timeline posting that thing. That's what people are looking for. They're looking for confirmation. Obviously, you know, we're a Celtics podcast. Are there players who you, who you don't like on the team, who you feel like are kind of, you know, maybe going about the game the wrong way or a- anything, uh, you know, kind of along those lines? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Jason Tatum's hit his ceiling. There's not really a lot of room for growth. So there's one thing we've learned in the NBA, and that's, you know, if you're, if you're top player, is, you know, sort of a wing-dominant primary scorer, there's not a lot you can do there. You're probably going to hit your ceiling pretty early. It's all about grinding down low in the post. I can't get over, you know, the fact that they're not really ready for that that grinded-out post-play. In the playoffs, you know, things slow down. You stop playing basketball. You start intimidating people. I think that's a strong point. Um, Is Mm -hmm. the other end of that question, is there anybody that you feel like is kind of going about the game the right way? No. No, not at all. Probably the most important thing in the NBA is coaching, more than talent, uh, more than anything else. So if there is any success at all, I think it's got to be attributed solely to Brad Stevens. And I think if there's any disappointment, it should fall squarely on the shoulders of the players who were probably too busy, I don't know, being with family or other weird stuff like that um, during a national crisis. I don't know. That's weird. If you're an NBA player, like you should be playing NBA all the time, not hanging out with family, especially when they're sick. It's, it's just weird. As you're down there, um, very much not in the freezer and very much on press row. What, what are you kind of seeing from the journalists down there? It's definitely clicky. And, you know, one thing that everyone, you know, has been agreeing on is what a good idea um, all of this is. There's been no negative tests. I mean, that's it. Nothing bad can happen from here on out. The bubble is sealed. Obviously, you know, Florida is one of the hotbeds, um, you know, in the country. This is just a good idea. And that's, that's basically what everyone's been saying this whole time. And the players love it. That's the other thing that's very important, especially with the political climate. The players are happy to be distracted and, you know, not giving their attention to anything else going on in the country. We've been asking hmm. a lot of guests to share their hot take of this year's Celtics. So what's your hottest of takes about this year's team? Um, I'm going to kind of crib from take I've seen online. The Celtics were a lot better before this. Any of these like Celtics Twitter people started like posting weird stuff. 
I think probably the most important thing what people don't understand is that um, what happens on Twitter is real life. And I just think, you know, kind of some of this weird, gross embracing and enabling by the media of these sort of sickos um, who are, you know, just on Twitter saying insane, weird stuff. That's uh, that's really um, hurt the team. And, you know, it's sort of affected uh, our ability. That's probably why Al Horford left. He's having a great time in Philly right now. He's loving it. So I, I think that that's the number one thing I'd like to point to is those weird posts and Twitter. So the fans have got to cut that out. No more. Stop making fun of me. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we were very lucky. Sam, we're, we're very lucky to have Sam Sheehan NBA on the show. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening. And Sam, we will catch you sometime soon. Okay, thanks, Tom. I got to go. I'm sorry. I got this. They found me again. I got to go. I got to Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.